and welcome to a new episode of PR360, and I'm your host, Brett Deister. And if you could, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings. Let us know how we're doing. But this week, I have Kenneth Kinney. He also goes by his nickname, Shark, as well. And he is a creative marketer, growth executive, consultant, speaker, He's worked with brands like AT&T, City, Chase, Target, GM, American Express. And he also hosts his own podcast as well called a Shark's Perspective. So we're really excited to have him on the show. So welcome to the show, Kenneth. I very much appreciate it. I have enjoyed listening to your show as well. And good to connect today. Yes. And my first question is, all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? So I have a lot of problems sleeping. Wake up juice is very important to me. I would go with coffee, uh, but if you've lived in a hot environment where I live in the South, sweet tea has a different medicinal meaning than just the effects of tea. So sweet tea is needed for at least six months of the year, but 12 months of the year, coffee all the time. All right. Don't live in the South of California, but I understand hot in a dry heat type of a way. No, you got to put about a bag of sugar into it. That's what it what happens in the South or any. Just think of any Chick Fil A, even in California. That's the kind of sweet tea that'll wake you up. Caffeine and sugar combined. That's fair. And can you explain a little bit more? I already I gave a little bit of expertise. But can you explain even more expertise about what you do and your expertise to your audience? You bet. So I primarily work as a speaker and consultant. I work for a fantastic agency based out of New York called AI Media Group, but I've been a speaker on and off the circuit for a pretty big chunk of my career and like to provide as much thought leadership as I can in marketing and advertising and business. I uh, have worked on the brand side. I've worked on the publisher side. I've worked on the agency side and the consulting side, and I've been a solopreneur and entrepreneur. So a lot of what I do, even if it's in the speaking business, going up on a stage, or if I'm managing a campaign. It's a very important part of my job in my career to really help companies stay really focused on their customers, whether that's through better marketing, advertising, or customer experience. All right. And speaking a little bit about that, what's kind of a common theme or what do PR people miss when they do campaigns and they just don't hit their goals? It's just like, oh, we thought this was great, and it really didn't turn out that great. All campaigns, whether it's PR or advertising of any sort, but I'm not going to use the one that so many people talk about when really defining your niche. But a lot of what I talk about that I find extremely important, both in the way we talk to each other and the way that we even do marketing campaigns, it's really a clarity of message. And a phrase that I use quite frequently is called the confused buyer always says no. And we commonly hear that people need to really laser focus in on niches. And that is extremely important. But on top of that, really, even if you have a complex issue, being able to articulate it consistently and clearly over and over again can really help drive a lot of that niche that people are trying to create. And I find this happens over and over again, where there's just so much noise, especially if you think about it from an advertising standpoint, if you try to think of how to cut through the clutter A lot of times the clutter is even what you say about yourself or your brand that you're pitching. And so from a PR communication standpoint, really driving it into 
a clear message that resonates through and through that really make a real substantial difference in being able to deliver better results. And so if you think of it, uh, again, I'm going to lean a little bit back on some of the marketing and advertising terminology. If you think about it, attribution in this way, one of the key things that people should focus on is figuring out how to manage all of the messaging. And that's not easy to do because the constant thing that people focus on, even in PR, is to really just try to get out there, try to get your reach out there, try to get out a message to as many people as you can. And that one of the things that is can be really disconcerting to a lot of listeners or buyers is when they don't understand really what that means. So the way to really align that messaging from start to finish is if you think of a campaign, again, I'm going to use some of that language. If you think of when you place an ad somewhere, if it's a complex product or sale, is the customer going to understand through that journey, through all the advertising touch points? that they have, are they going to be able to really understand what it is that you want them to buy from you? may seem easier said than done, but a lot of times, whether you have a specific offer or a specific URL you're trying to drive people to, or maybe it's some sort of hashtag or a certain price point, when you have all of these different touch points that come from social, from TV, from PR news releases, from your website, from everywhere else, not enough time is really spent on managing that clutter. And I don't mean lining up all the pieces, but helping take that and make it more concise. And so when you see campaigns perform well, it's often because you've come through with a pretty clear and concise message and you've managed that clear and concise message from start to finish. And again, from an advertising standpoint, let's say that you were thinking about buying home insurance. I'll make this an easy example for advertising. Let's say they're searching for auto insurance or home insurance. You click on that and you start doing research. You see an ad somewhere, it makes you click to fill out a form and then odds are for a complex sale, they're gonna get to a call center. I have listened to so many different call centers get on the phone with a customer and what the customer thought they were buying is not what they saw throughout the message. It happens all the time because of a basic sales enablement alignment that didn't occur. So if you take a sales enablement, how you're helping your sales function and manage that message through and through to, de- to deliver a clear and concise thought for customers to, to understand and be able to act upon, it's really hard for a lot of teams to do. And again, customers are not taking the time to really think about all your different strategies. They're not sitting in conference rooms somewhere working with your PR team or your SEO team or your social media team or that those internal teams or external agencies. They are thinking through one simple message that resonates with them because they also have probably 10 other options they're looking at any given time with any other product or service. So I'm not trying to make it too overly simplistic that you can only talk about one thing, but being able to deliver that in a very clear and concise way can help you have a message that resonates as well as one that helps you from a conversion standpoint in marketing and advertising. Mm. So is there any ways to actually make sure you're not part of the clutter with when it comes to the campaigns with PR? Because you said cut the clutter, but you can actually do it too. Is there any ways of defining that? The way people are having to pitch themselves today, people have had a lot more time for content creators 
to sit at home and figure out ways to create content and create a lot of noise. But we should have been thinking about this a decade ago rather than what the pandemic forced us into doing. So again, I think there are better ways of delivering a clear and concise message. For example, if I was on Instagram and I was told to produce four posts a day, seven days a week, it's 28 posts. If I posted, and those are probably going to be random stuff uh, for everybody that makes posts. If I was to tell you, though, that I wanted you to remember something from those posts, odds are if you posted once a day and you posted something fairly consistent all seven days, you're going to remember less posts with more clear, concise messaging. And I think because so many people are creating so much more content today. Mm-hmm. And even more specifically talking about the pandemic, it seems like for the most part, it seemed to make PR people rethink a lot of strategies they had prior to 2020. And I've heard a lot of PR people talk about like how to pitch your story to the media and have a more comprehensive internal comms plan. Is that true? Or is that a little bit different from what you've seen? Most people say that they know, but the, what's going on with their customer, but for the most part, so many people are very distant from their customer and they think that if they're really strong on Facebook and really strong on Twitter and really strong on the website and their email and everything else, that just is naturally going to drive home with the customer. But your customer doesn't necessarily think about the silos that your teams have created. A lot of the times you've got siloed teams that are managing channels separately in the large organizations or managing managing a bunch of different channels through external agencies, you'll have a team that delivers some content on websites, some on social and so forth. Again, really aligning that, having worked at the brand side, this is really where that focus came into play for me during peak seasons. Aligning that strategy, breaking down those silos can really be of uber importance to helping customers really resonate and remember your message and be able to add the modeled history or the history rather that you had in 2019 probably aligned fairly similarly to 2018 data with a little bit, say two to 3% in growth. And what you did in 2017 looked fairly familiar to 2018. Now, obviously we noticed differences when there are major economic shifts, but 2020 in particular meant that we started consuming media in a much different way because we were all stuck at home. And so if you were trying to make any kind of decisions based off of last year's data and you weren't able to, and I hate using this word because it's been so overused, but pivot and pivot quickly, figure out what your new, how your customers were reacting today, not how they were reacting last year, was really imperative because at the end of the day, you really necessarily care whether or not they're converting on Twitter or Facebook. Probably not. You're going to measure lifetime value of customers. But really understanding how to pivot, whether or not Facebook has more of a presence today when companion with a TV ad, when companion with search ads, that that becomes a lot more of an omnipresent, omnichannel method to do that. But really understanding how to look at all those different touch points has not been pushed on marketers nearly enough. They've been able to get away with just creating a lot of noise, but the smarter marketers 
the smarter campaigns, if you will, that have been optimized are the ones that really were taking more real-time based decision-making to create much uh, more actionable data-driven decisions that were relying on hard data instead of models and speculation. Gotcha. And more speaking about even podcasting in general, because you do a podcast, I do two podcasts. Should businesses think more about podcasting as part of their content collateral and more evergreen content if it fits within their industry and their marketing and PR plans? 100% yes, they should be considering podcasting. I think the bigger question for me is always, should they be considering audio with podcasting as part of that? There are so many brands that are not considering podcasting enough today, or when they are looking at it, they typically look at it with a cookie cutter approach at best. And that's disturbing, especially when you listen to a lot of branded podcasts that if you took the logo off and put it on any other podcast would sound exactly the same. So really thinking about that, that distinct audio sonic brand, if you will, the voice of your brand, what does it say? But if you think about if you're working for ABC Financial Services or XYZ Home Security, and I hope those are not real names and made up names, but no one wants to hear them puff out their chest and talk about how great their product or service is on a podcast and how they think that fits their customers' problems. And that's the way a lot of marketing has been for a lot of years. They, they always sort of anoint themselves as the hero of every story. They just want a bigger platform to say it. And they think they need more reach. But I'm going to guess that there are probably not any brands like that that you follow. There's uh, likely none that I follow. But really having one of your experts in a thought leadership conversation, whether it's on your own show or on someone else's show, is worth so much more. They do a lot of that bragging and promotion, if you will. I'm, for example, I'm flattered that you asked me to come on, as I would be anybody. I can get on my own platform and tell you how great I am great in, in a uh, figurative standpoint, but just being able to have this kind of thought leadership discussion with you on it can offer a lot from from w- without me trying to sell, if you will. And that's one of the traps that so many brands fall into because podcasting is a more intimate approach of having a conversation with your customers. Basically, if you play it, it's leveraging influencers to help promote your brand to some degree. But when you're borrowing for ear time, you're not just competing for that time with others in your vertical. If you're Bob's accounting shop, you're not probably listening to thinking about necessarily competing against Sam's accounting shop or Sa- Sally's accounting shop. You're competing against the Joe Rogan experience or a shark's perspective or PR 360 show. These are the, the kind of things that you're really competing against. And that makes a really uh, interesting way of looking at podcasting in more unique formats than just copying everybody else's format where it's you know two guys talking about routers and that could be this old podcast is not anything that anybody really wants to jump in and listen to but when you start thinking about the different types of podcasts you can do that are almost theater of the mind even with two people talking using music using drama building up storytelling it's such an amazing way to present your brand in a great way and there are a lot of brands that take advantage of this with with really taking fictional podcasts as well these are these fictional dramas where a good friend of mine at sap who they had a product 
uh, called Leonardo. And it was a, a product several years ago uh, that came out and they introduced a podcast that was a theater of the mind kind of audio drama called Searching for Salaid. And the whole thing was this limited series podcast about uh, Leonardo da Vinci's apprentice and came from the past to the future to tell the story about Leonardo da Vinci. The whole thing was a companion piece for this new product, Leonardo, that they had. So it's very interesting ways that you can get inside a customer's head and really make them appreciate something audio standpoint rather than just saying, here's our logo, here's a couple of people talking, and that be it. So the more the better podcasters, the better marketers think about things like this can be really exciting. And that podcast that I was talking about also won quite a few awards. General Electric did it before with uh, two fictional dramas, one of them called The Message, and the other I can't even think of at this point. I've talked about it a million times, but they've, they've both done well with those kind of things. It's just, it's a wild west with pod, podcasts. It's just hard to see people fall into the regular trap of this old podcast. So let's say they want to like basically dip their toes in the water for podcasting. Should the PR pros basically be encouraging one of their executives to do guest spots and then figure out how to do their own or should they just go full in for them to be on other shows because one of the absolute most important things that people should do and should consider when they're doing podcasting is consistency i've done uh, my show i'm close to 300 episodes right now most shows fall off after uh, less than 10 shows and if you look at the 2 million podcasts that are out there, far less than half of those are actually active today with new episodes. If you start your own podcast, you need to commit to your audience who will expect you to be there today and for whatever immediate future, or near, near to mid future you can be. If you're not going to make that commitment to stay with your audience, then don't dip your toe in the water and then pull your toe out as soon as the water feels a little bit cold for that's the worst example I could use in that analogy, but you really got to make a commitment to sticking with podcasting unless the easier way, and you'll get a little bit of the SEO juice, just the same on being on a lot of different shows. When you are on other people's shows, it's extremely beneficial. You don't, you lose some of the control, obviously, but at the same point, most people don't have gotcha moments on podcasts. That's not the point of them. But you can show your thought leadership on an abundance of topics, and they do a lot of that work. And that can, those people a lot of times have a more focused commitment to their podcast than you may do. So if podcasts is a real focus, then absolutely do it. Keep it as part of your brand. Make certain it benefits your customers. But if you're trying to get your name out there from a PR standpoint, a lot of times the benefit comes from being on other shows because it helps expand your audience. And it also does it through a lot of thought leadership as opposed to just you being on your own show promoting yourself. Mm -hmm. And then speaking about Clubhouse, since I've heard a ton of Clubhouse news all the time, do you think this is the next advancement in audio production from a more live perspective? Yes and no. The concept of drop-in audio has really taken a foothold, and that concept has obviously become extremely popular as Clubhouse 
pushes north of 10 million users, and it'll grow further. When Joe Rogan or Elon Musk or any of these folks show up on there, then it becomes the talk of the town. But as great as any social media channel is to anyone who consumes it, the real advancement in audio, not to, to take this a little bit away from Clubhouse, will continue to progress with how audio shows up more in our daily lives, whether that's an expansion of using your Echo Home device or your Google Home, or whether or not you're just using audio in, think of it this way, when I go to my office in New York, the last thing I want to do when I'm in Manhattan is touch a button. And when you think about it from a pandemic standpoint, last thing you want to do is touch dirty buttons in elevators. Why we don't have the ability when it doesn't have to be Wi-Fi enabled. There's plenty of technology out there that just says, take me to the fifth floor or whatever floor you're going to. Those kind of things in audio could really become popular. I think what Clubhouse, though, importantly is doing right now is helping continue that focus on audio rather than podcasts, rather than flash briefings with Alexa, rather than some of the other things. It's making people rethink a lot of audio as a topic. Now, whether or not that gets that changes as we come out of the pandemic. I know I just spoke at a conference. I travel pretty frequently to dive. I, I swim with sharks on a normal basis. And when I go down to Florida to do that, where I do it most of the time, your California waters are okay. They're just a little too cold and murky for my blood. But when I go down to Florida, the last thing I want to do is worry about my Wi-Fi connection or internet. If I'm on the plane, I'm not going to log into the, the airport airplane Wi-Fi so that I can listen to Clubhouse. And depending on the signal, we still have those problems. Whereas you get a podcast, you download, you know, you're off to the races, you can zone out or even be feel like you're part of the conversation. So I think we're going to have to figure out where Clubhouse fits once the world opens back up. And having just come back from a trip, I'm not convinced that Clubhouse will have that much more of a presence in my life when I'm traveling. I have quite a few scheduled for late summer in the fall, and I was thinking about it just two weeks ago. I cannot see me walking through the airport or going to the grocery store and just listening to Clubhouse all day long. I could see myself doing that with with a podcast. So I think the continuation of how we look at audio will continue to change whether or not that's specifically done with Clubhouse or any other type of drop-in audio on any social channel is yet to be determined. And so should this Clubhouse be more extra content for podcasts or should it be more specific to maybe extra content for events? Because events, even virtual and or eventually live events, could benefit from a drop-in, drop-out in some ways. Do you think that is where it could fit into I know Clubhouse is still new and we're just speculating. No, you, the sky's the limit. You ask a fantastic question and something that I, I thought of in 2020, I was going to have an event and I was having spoken at hundreds of events over the years. I really wanted to do my own large scale event. And I, one of the things I was really thinking through was how do I take this and make it more experiential beyond just for me as a speaker, for example, if I network with the, the crowd after I, I speak on stage, it's a fantastic moment in time, but not everybody wants to come up and 
chat with everybody afterwards. I've talked to a lot of speakers who still feel the same. And I was interviewing a lot of these top names that speak at all these events as well. And we were thinking, trying to think of ways to make the event I was going to host more experiential and then Clubhouse hit. And I thought, would it be great, even if you were walking through the halls, and again, this kind of contradicts my earlier argument about being able to borrow the Wi-Fi every, everywhere or, or do that, but wouldn't you think it would be cool instead of having like a green room, but almost like a room where people could interact with a speaker who brings some sort of thought leadership and they want to find out more? It's the find out more section of conferences that haven't really been fixed for a lot of conferences other than just those few moments together. Finding me later and connecting with me on LinkedIn is great, but the the real conversation is when we just done that. So I, I think Clubhouse could have an amazing opportunity to fit into conferences, but Clubhouse is a great place for people to find guests as well as network and make connections. And I didn't quite realize how much of a problem that was for a lot of people, especially when looking for guests. I, I tend to get overwhelmed with the request to be on my own show. And so often the last thing I think about is opening up that door even further, but I don't know everything and I don't know everybody. And Clubhouse has been an amazing opportunity to meet and greet people that and connect on a much, much better way than a follow on some regular social channels. To answer your question, is Clubhouse extra content for podcasts? Yes, it's a great idea place. It's a great place to grab snapshots on your screenshots on your phone for visual content and visual media and just taking a screenshot of your icon in a clubhouse room or on stage. It's great content to sparingly use on Instagram, for example, or Twitter and show that you're a part of the conversation. But as far as whether or not that's just feeding a social media beast, but really I think it's just like a, an ideation, if you will, for content rather than rather than just necessarily extra content. What I find the appeal of is I would probably enjoy your podcast more just by listening to podcasts rather than by listening to it in a room where you don't get to have a intimate, if you will, dialogue with somebody on a subject matter. And so Clubhouse misses a lot of that. A lot of that's awkward and it probably will continue to be that way because everybody wants to introduce themselves. And so you can go into a room with 20 different speakers and you might get three minutes out of an hour where somebody's actually providing some thought leadership after everybody's introduced themselves. Whereas I can listen to your show and get 58 minutes of thought leadership and two minutes of intros. I don't know if that answered your question, but I do think there's a place for it. I don't think it will overtake podcasts. I think it's the bright, shiny object. It's a great way to make connections, but I don't know that it, it necessarily replaces anything you obviously will get more or you'll see a lot more organic reach with your podcast when engaging through clubhouse and i know i've probably gotten more i've only been on clubhouse a couple of months i've probably got more instagram direct dms that i've gotten in however many years i've been on instagram within the last couple of months for that alone it's worth a lot gotcha and then on the flip side it's i've seen slack Discord, LinkedIn's going to be doing it, Facebook and Twitter, all trying to copy yeah. Clubhouse. Basically almost trying to kill it or basically trying to stomp it down. Should we be worried about that since 
LinkedIn is now going to be copying the same thing, which I always thought LinkedIn should be doing something like that. But do you think Clubhouse is going is in trouble now just because of all the bigger ones going, oh, this is a really great idea. We'll just take it. I hope not. That's to be determined. I still think if you're asking me this in the second quarter of 2021, when there is a pandemic still around and 20% of the population is vaccinated in the U.S., I'm going to have a different answer for you than the third or fourth quarter of 2021, when hopefully 75% to 100 of the people are vaccinated and people are able to go out and do more things. I think Clubhouse's value changes, not because I would say the same thing with Facebook or Instagram. If you're asking about drop-in audio, the, is the value of drop-in audio going to be just as important six months from now as it is today? Probably not. And you know, Facebook, when Facebook went live or LinkedIn went live, it didn't necessarily destroy one or the other. It hasn't really hurt YouTube. I think probably the only one that has really been beaten up is you know, Facebook beat up Snapchat pretty dis- decently when they tried Instagram, but they really haven't succeeded with Reels compared to TikTok. The the social media billionaire folks have more than enough money to buy whatever they want or start whatever they want. But Club, what Clubhouse has done really well to date is create its own culture and community, if you will, even with the limited number of people that are on Clubhouse today. It's invite only at this point. It's been innovative with making drop-in audio cool. And going live on other channels, especially with video, is still pretty clunky unless you're using certain products like StreamYard to go across everywhere. But if you look at Instagram, for example, someone tries to go live and you have to request to join. And, and it doesn't have the same community feel that something as simply simple as an audio app has. So that excitement will probably wear off a little bit, but it hasn't worn off with Clubhouse that I've seen so far. When you think about, especially with video, most of the TikTok lives or Instagram lives are far more boring than the 15 or 60 second videos on TikTok. With audio, if you're there to invest that much more time of your life into something, it's easier to use like a podcast, depending on your Wi-Fi or your internet signal. It's a much uh, more engaged 60 minute than a 60 second video. And Clubhouse also has what I would think of as more grown up conversations, if you will. There are plenty of them that are not mature, but it's a more, it has more intent when you come to the channel, to this particular social channel. It's almost like judging context. You have much more of an intent to really be engaged in that channel than the way people communicate on, say, Twitter or even Instagram. There's a little more focus to clubhouse rooms than the randomness of tweets. The bad part of clubhouse, though, which may, and it worries to me that if, if somewhere, somebody like LinkedIn goes all in on, on this, is where clubhouse is really turning off a lot of people, and if LinkedIn replicates that even more, is really the number of coaches and self-promoters out there. It's very me focused and while there are some social media rooms for example just using that topic as an example there's an overwhelming amount of conversations on how to grow your personal brand and that knowledge you get from growing any kind rather than growing any kind of corporate brand 
still great value, but if you're serving in the B2B or B2C space, the knowledge isn't as, as much as you find in this sort of B2Me, as I call it, community. Those tips don't always work for a large brand. So I think the, the coaches and self-promoters, there's a lot of them out there and you have to navigate through what's the best kind of content. But again, Clubhouse is cool now and it struck a unique chord during a pandemic the same way that TikTok did during the first of the pandemic when it really exploded. This is different feeling than when you get on Zoom. But again, I think when people start to get out in the world, drop in audio as opposed to Clubhouse will be more of the conversation than whether or not the Facebook is going to kill off Clubhouse. I, I don't know. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Would Do you look at Clubhouse as, or do you look at keeping your content on Facebook and adding audio to that to make that engagement that much more? Or do you, would you rather go to Clubhouse to escape the stuff you don't like about Facebook or Twitter or any other channel? I'd rather escape. I mean, I don't really exactly. go on Facebook all that often anymore. Exactly. It's the content that you get when you go to LinkedIn is to not take a necessarily a selfie picture. Nothing wrong with selfie pictures, but the selfie pictures you take on Instagram are much different than a lot of the ones obviously on LinkedIn. And so Clubhouse, to that same respect, has a different, it's created a different kind of audience. Now, we've also got to keep in mind that when this thing is open up to Android and it's open up to hundreds of millions of people, rather than the 10 plus million that they're at in today's world, that could dramatically change and it could make it as nasty as Twitter was during the election. So unfortunately, I think that hurts the long-term value of Clubhouse if they don't manage it correctly. But so far today, half the content a year later on Clubhouse seems to be everybody talking about how much they love Clubhouse and how much it's done for them. So I think it's really interesting. The one thing that I think always goes into the benefit, though, with podcasts and other social channels favors is that's a lot more controlled. And so even if Facebook, for example, or kills off Clubhouse in some form or fashion, it at least has made people rethink those kind of conversations with people in a way they weren't thinking about it before. And almost since you asked me a Clubhouse question, I feel like I should say, this is Kenneth and I'm done speaking. That's what I hear on every other room. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we touched on a little bit about videos. And so where do videos and live streaming, since you said live streaming isn't that great yet, where do we see ourselves? Because it seems like there was a bigger reliance during the pandemic with videos, with live streaming, with quote unquote virtual events, which weren't that great, which I kept on hearing. I think it went to one and I even said, this isn't great. So where does this fit and how can brands make their video content and their live streaming content better? So this is one of the things where you just simply have to lean more on your employees than your communication team. I would almost spitballing this. I didn't think through this, this answer, really didn't think through this answer extremely pre-planned, but I would almost rather see a PR person work with somebody who works in customer service rather than sometimes see a PR person work with somebody only on the marketing team. The reason I say that is because you really need more employees 
being able to be free to go out there and speak on your behalf. Now, that doesn't mean be able to speak and you know give away company secrets. It just means those are your best influencers. And so when you think about how that video, how a lot of companies are succeeding with that kind of engagement, you can look specifically to TikTok because leveraging that that employee as an influencer has really done well. I think it will continue to do well on LinkedIn if we can really focus on thought leadership, though, as opposed to just sales tactics on a live channel. And that's a fine line for a lot of people. But again, what I mentioned about Clubhouse and the same thing I see on a lot of video streams, it's a lot of sales pitches without a lot of thought leadership. I do think that we're going to be overwhelmed with the need to be in person. Again, I was just in in Florida speaking at a conference in March of 2020. And the last thing anybody was really doing was oddly enough, and I'm just a, a student of human behavior, I didn't see everybody staring down at their phones only. And if you go to most events or you, know, you go to your doctor's office or to your own office or whatever it is, people staring at their phones all the time. This was like way the world was feeling when they were just glad to be around other people in a you know festive atmosphere. It's almost like you're on vacation and people staring at the beach instead of their phone. That was the way the experience was at this conference. So I, I do think that more uh, live interesting video will be, or sorry, more live video that's less virtual content webinar focused as a, and more influencer created content will be will really rebound quickly if it's done correctly and not just focus on yet another sales pitch or another webinar because i think that's where it falls flat so much we've been hit with this non-stop as people have just been clamoring for noise over the last year so what i'm saying is rethink your almost video and live streaming to be more like podcast with a conversation an interesting conversation or thought leadership in some type of way and less sales. Amen. And it can be sales, just be craftier than what your regular sales message is. The problem with most brands is they're not creative. Having a large agency produce a creative doesn't make them creative. They do a lot of things to typically mimic what their customer's doing. And they don't listen to their own end customer enough. But if you look at what resonates, if you look at dog face in particular and how that resonated with Tropicana brand, now you've got everybody trying to create Tropicana type moments. No, it was different. That was it was how somebody just enjoyed drinking a, a bottle of, of uh, cranberry juice. Who in the hell would have ever thought that would have been a, a viral moment that gets coverage on national news? This is something that people need to be more creative and just let the creative juices fly as opposed to sticking your logo all over everything and customers still don't know what you bring that helps them solve their product or service. And if they could just try to do things out of the box as opposed to doing this, listening to three podcasts that are not produced by you doesn't help you go produce your similar podcast or your similar video, or your similar everything else. Really, you got to just think out of the box. Be creative. Gotcha. And fun question for you. If you could recreate radio for the 21st century or this time now, how would you go about doing it? So something I've been asking myself since my teens, because I started out in radio, 
I've hosted radio shows for a lot of years. I don't now, but I did just a few years ago. The interactivity with drop-in audio, especially on Clubhouse, is a lot more appealing and the format is a lot more interesting because of the type of content that people want to talk about. The typical format that's been copied on every station on radio shows gets old and they fit everything into the box and then they don't have enough audience interactivity. But people uh, will listen to talk radio, especially when they get to play as part of that voice. I think really, if I look on my phone right now and I look at the Clubhouse app, I could find something on basket weaving, the UFC, Spider-Man, and being a great public speaker. You're not going to find that on, and and there's going to be hundreds of people on the stage. You're not going to find that on radio shows most of the time. It's going to be the standard content with too many commercials. If you were reimagining radio today, it would be a lot more creative content with a lot more audience interaction than just a call-in show and with some really loud great bumper music which is what i used to do. all right any final thoughts for our listeners i would say if they have any questions to feel free to get in touch with me on linkedin kenneth kenny k-e-n-e-t-h-k-i-n-e-y you will often hear me referred to as a speaker known by shark because i love to swim with sharks it's something i've been doing for a very long time but if you're going to do anything 2021 and beyond just do something different than you've been doing before because your customers expect a lot more all right thank you kenneth for being on pr360 really appreciate you talking about all this stuff and giving a lot wealth of knowledge to our listeners you're more than welcome you've been a great host thank you and thank you for listening to pr360 as always please subscribe to pr360 on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and amazon music leave a review it really does help with the rankings let us know how we're doing and join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the pr industry all right guys stay safe think outside the box and see you next week later